The Spur of the Moment podcast is proudly presented by Shane Daigie, Realtor of Always Here Properties. Selling your home, buying your home, first-time buyers, investors, and seasoned home buyers. Call or text 512-540-1626, and I'll be glad to help with all of your real estate needs. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Spur of the Moment podcast. I'm your host, Shane Daigie. And I'm your co-host, Drew Daigie. Welcome to episode 149 of Spur of the Moment. Yeah, coming straight from the Simon Air Studios in the heart of Texas, the father-son duo, Shane and Drew Daigie, are back at it to give you the recap of the Spurs in Austin against the Portland Trailblazers on April 6th. And what a great crowd. 16,000 people. Yep, 16,000 people. And they were loud and proud and they cheered on the Spurs. And guess what? The Spurs got the W, as predicted on the Spur of the Moment podcast, that this might be their last W of the year. We'll dive deeper into that as the episode goes on. But Drew, what did you think about the environment in Austin? What did you think about the Spurs' performance? Yeah, I thought the crowd was good. They did a lot of cool stuff for the fans there. And it was a good game to get to watch but we heard it on the radio and it was a great game to listen to so Spurs win and a great game from the Spurs uh we shot uh let me see real quick we shot 44% from the field and 28% from the three but we shot a great free throw percentage with 89% and an even game honestly it came down to the wire so what were your thoughts on the very close game yeah no and that's kind of what you expected you got two teams in tank mode, minus a lot of their superstars, trying to get uh, upgrade their draft pick game. And, uh, you know, it was a very competitive game. Nice to see the Spurs get that Austin presence, get that Texas presence uh, bumping, and uh, we're really proud of them. Now let's listen to one of the bright spots of the night and one of my favorite Spurs, Kata Bates-Diop. after that, the same thing happens. What's that like being in that moment in, in an arena where nobody's played an NBA game? I mean, you can kind of feel the crowd kind of get more and more into it after Trey has a three, and I have mine kind of feel that moment coming. Uh, so I just want to knock it down just for the energy in the arena. And we really need it as a team as well. Personally, is that a is that a moment you've had to grow into over the last several years to have the confidence to step up and take the shot in that situation? Yeah, definitely. I worked on my three a lot the last couple of years back when you know, Chip was here and the guys here still work with me. So I worked a lot in the summer and the off season just getting that confidence back. Playing in a new city, that kind of give, did that give you all a little bit of a boost, especially late in the season? Yeah, definitely. It was a little different, uh, different atmosphere, different arena, a whole different fans that really don't get to see us play that often. So it was good, just something new, you know? Pop just, Pop just said that you're carving out an NBA career. Pretty yeah. matter of fact, man, could you talk about all the work you've done? How does that make you feel here? It makes me feel great. He's been on me since I've been here. Just he kind of sees the potential in me, and I've gotten better and better each year. Um, I'm, I'm glad that the greatest coach, you know, says that about me. Um, that gives me, and he gives me a lot of confidence. Like, how can I not be confident in my game and my, my hard work, good piece, and stuff like that? All right, so a little shout out from Katie Bates D out towards Pop and uh, being able to. Sorry about that little technical issue. But yeah, that was uh, Kata Bates-Diop and talking about his game and his night with the Spurs. Now it's time for our Tankathon segment. Drew, let us let the audience know where we land and who do you think we're going to get. Ooh, we land out where we're suspect- suspected to land. And we land on 
number three, or I think we would take Scoot Henderson. This is another reason what where we'd look. I think the Pistons are going to take Brandon Miller because they already have, um, what's his name? Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. So I think the Spurs would perfectly land at Scoot Henderson at the number three pick. All right, well, I think number three is a really interesting swing pick. And uh, if, you know, and, that, and this we've talked about this on previous episodes, that number three pick is going to be one of the most intriguing ones in the draft because number two is probably going to be either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so depending on the team's need, that's who they're going to go with. And in this particular draft, the Nuggets happen to be the number two pick, so that's where Drew's coming from. And Nuggets. I, I mean, sorry, the Pistons. And that's where Drew's coming from, and that's what I agree with, is if the Pistons take the number two pick, uh, Brandon Miller's their guy, and then Scoot Henderson's our guy. But if somebody else gets that number two pick, um, you know, I, I think Brandon Miller might be our guy. So what I'm going to say is if we get the number three pick, not knowing who's in front of us or behind us, I'm going to say it's going to slot out. And I don't think this is hot take central maybe, but I think we're going to take Amin Thompson as the number three pick. That's my guess, and that's what I'm sticking with, and I think Brandon Miller will fall to four. That's just my prediction. I've done my background research on Spurs material and the kind of player he is. Not many people may agree with me on that, but that's that's my take tonight. I'm going to say Amin Thompson at number three. All right. Now it's time for our top two, bottom two. Drew, who were your top two players? Yes, my num- my top two. We just heard him on an interview KBD, Kata Bates the Op, with a great, outstanding 25 points on the night. He also chipped in six rebounds and four assists and a steal, and he shot seven of 11 from field and two of four from the three-point line in 26 minutes. A very efficient game from Kata Bates the Op. When he's good, he's very, very efficient, so he's my number one. My second on the top two, I went with Zach Collins, a strong game, 21 points, 10 rebounds, Four assists, shot 9 of 14 from the field, and chipped in three blocks. Great game from Zach Collins. Who do you have as your top two bottom? I mean, top two players? Yeah, one of my favorites. And I actually I saw his last uh, or one of his last outings with the Austin Spurs. Julian Champagne had a night. It was awesome to, to listen to that game and listen to his performance. He had 24 points on five of nine three-point shooting, chipped in five rebounds, and Julian Champagne, 24 points off the bench is just remarkable to me, and I'm I'm proud of him and glad he did. And then my number two was the uh, uh, tied with him in points was Keldon Johnson. He had 24 points, and although Keldon wasn't hitting his threes, he had all of his other shots and also chipped in five rebounds and four assists. So uh, Keldon and Julian Champagne were my top two. All right, bottom two, Drew. Yeah, for my number one on the bottom two, I'm with Malachi Branham, who struggled two points while shooting 8% from the field in 23 minutes. It happens for a young player because his last four games, he had 15-plus points. So what happens, I think it's just a game that will fly by. He'll he'll get over it. So he's my number one on the bottom two. My second on the bottom two, I went with Romeo Langford, who had four points, shooting two of five from the field, but three turnovers. Which got him on the bottom two. Yeah, no. I agree with you. I also had Malachi on my number one. I mean, the one of 12 shooting, just a rough night for him. 
shooting the ball. I'm really curious to see how the next game in Austin, how Malachi shoots, just because sometimes players in certain gyms and certain arenas maybe aren't good shooters. I'm really curious to see if it was just a bad night or if it's the uh, the way that gym plays for that individual player. So Malachi was my number one. My number two was Sandro Mamukelishvili. Uh, he was two of eight shooting uh, and only had four points, just not one of his better nights. He's been doing a lot of good things for the Spurs, but that night wasn't his, so that's my bottom two. All right, now it's time for the question of the day. And remember, you can always text your questions to 512-540-1626. Again, that's 512-540-1626. Drew, what's the question of the day? Yeah, we have a good question from Joe in Austin, Texas. His question asks, what happens if the Spurs and Rockets finish with the same record in the lottery standings? Well, that is a great question, Joe. And, uh, you know, I'll make it real clear because there is a uh, coin flip that's going to go on. And they'll have a coin flip day so if we happen to finish with the Rockets uh, tied for that, it'll be a flip to see who has the second and third odds. And you go, well, aren't the odds the same for the top three? Yes, they are. Aren't the odds the same for the fourth? Yes, they are. Where that differs for the Spurs is they could get in the third spot, they could fall as low as seven. They could fall to the seventh pick, which isn't ideal for a lot of people. Well, the second team right now, being the Rockets, the lowest they could go is the six pick. So you're like guaranteed a top seven pick or a top six pick, depending on that slot. So that's the only difference. The odds for getting the number one pick are the same, number two pick. But once you get to that five, six, or seven, the odds change a little bit. So just that's, I think the important balance of that, Joe, to answer your question is, if we do finish second, you just... Worst case scenario, you're covered as far as that still getting a top six pick. Um, worst case scenario, if you're the third seed, you're going to get the seventh pick. So we'll see how that goes. Drew, do you have any additional thoughts on that? Nah, he explained that perfectly. It would be a coin flip, so I agree with you. All right, now it's time for this day in Spurs history. We're going to dial back to August 6, 1998 in uh, Timmy Duncan's rookie year. The Spurs lost on that night to the Portland Trail Blazers. Check out this score. 79-75. That was the final score. 79-75. to 75. And we've had a couple of those before of the old school Spurs games of 80 and 70. But two teams and 70 points. Number one, before I move on in this day, Drew, do you think two teams and 70 points will ever happen again? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, that will never happen again. It's going to be rare to have two teams with 80 points. I don't think that will ever happen again. So <laughs> that is a very interesting game. So I don't think that will ever happen again. Yeah. So the Spurs lost. That dropped their record of 52-24 and 24 overall and improved Portland's record to 42-33. and 33. Portland was led scoring by Rasheed Wallace, who had 28 points, who was a solid player at that time of the late 90s. The Spurs were led by Tim Duncan. 24 points, 15 boards. D-Rob had 23 points, 18 boards. And Jaron Jackson rounded out the double-digit scores with 14 points. That is April 6, 1998, and that is this day in Spurs history. Now it's time to preview the upcoming game. Drew, who do the Spurs have next, and what can you tell us about them? Yeah, the next opponent for the San Antonio Spurs is going to be the Minnesota T-Wolves, who at, coming into this game are 40-40 and 40 right now. 
The T-Wolves' leading scorer is Anthony Edwards, who just played almost every single game. He's played 77. He's averaging 24 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Carl Anthony Towns, who's returned recently, he's averaging 20 points, 6 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, oh, oh, my bad, he doesn't play there anymore. Rudy Gobert, he's out. Rudy Gobert is averaging 13 points, and Jaden McDaniels is averaging 12. They're going to be playing all their starters while we're not, so I think the Timberwolves will win this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Vegas odds have the Timberwolves uh, winning by 14, so it'll be interesting to see. I think you know they're a tough team, and they're fighting for their playoff lives right now, so Spurs are fighting for their draft pick lives right now. Things are going to be tough. I think the... Uh, Spurs, they're probably going to live off a little energy excitement, but I, I think we'll cover the spread barely. I think we're going to lose by 13. And my player to go off, I'm going to say a back-to-backer for uh, Julian Champagne. I think he has another good night at home in Austin. Comfortable follow-up his 24, uh, 24-point outing with another 20-plus uh, scoring night. So that's my player to go off. Drew? Yeah, so for my player to go off, I just have a weird feeling in this one. I'm going to go with Blake Wesley. Wow, I think he's going to have a good last two games of the season. So he's my player to go off. But I'm going to take the Timberwolves to win by eight points. All right. Thank you for that analysis, Drew. This is the uh, end of this episode of the Spur of the Moment podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have two games left in the 2022-2023 season. Another thing that I must chime in after beating the Trailblazers, we did guarantee that we would not have our franchise worst record. So we passed that up. That was the 20 wins prior to the Tim Duncan season. Uh, We're sitting at 21 wins right now, so we guaranteed that, and we're still in good draft position. So thanks for joining us. Drew, would you take us home, please? Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And as always, go Spurs, go!